The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's show, nothing controls our health and well-being as much as our gut, and the microbiomes in our body can make a huge difference in our health, and we feel what diseases our body can fight off. Plus, later we'll tell you what's going on around town. But first up, Dr. Martha Wittenberg is a board-certified family medicine physician who received her B.A. in biology from Lehigh University in Pennsylvania and her master's and doctorate at Drexel University in Philadelphia. After being in private practice for many years, Dr. Wittenberg pursued an additional training in holistic and integrative medicine. She is a board-certified by the American Academy of Anti-Aging and Regenerative Medicine, and completed a fellowship in metabolic and nutrition medicine through the Metabolic Medicinal Medical Institute. She is passionate about helping people discover their underlying imbalances and coaching them back to wellness. Her medical interests include bioidentical hormonal therapy, weight loss, adrenal health, mood disorders, detoxification, and gut health. And we welcome her to the Mother's Podcast. Dr. Wittenberg, that's impressive. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you, Kim. It's nice to see you again. And before we get to today's topic, please fill us in on your mission and your work. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, Well, I guess my mission is to um, try to treat my patients' underlying issues instead of just their symptoms so I can truly improve their health. You know, a lot of times people are just given medications Mm -hmm. and those are just Band-Aids. So I usually try to work with, you know, their lifestyle and their diet and do some additional functional testing to try to figure out what's really causing their issues. I love that. Well, today we are talking about GI health, gut health, and the, the microbiome of the gut. So what is gut microbiome? So many people probably have heard the word because it's been in the media a lot, but a lot of people don't know a lot about it. So I thought this, this would be a good topic. So basically, the gut microbiome is the collection of microbes that live in our GI tract. So the microbes could be bacteria, viruses, fungi, or parasites. Uh, for us, they're primarily bacteria. And usually we think of bacteria as a bad thing, right? You get bacterial infection if you have a strep throat, or you could get a bacterial intestinal infection, um, such as salmonella, Mm. you know, or shigella. And so people think bacteria is a bad thing, but the bacteria in our microbes actually are essential for our life. And they um, do a lot of things that actually help us survive and help us thrive. Um, And the number of bacteria in our gut is actually staggering. So um, they've estimated that there are 10 trillion bacterial microbes in our gut, which is 10 times more cells than we have in our body. Wow. Yes. Good and bad? Or no, these are the, the healthy ones. The these healthy are the ones. ones that are supporting us. Wow. Um, mm. So yes. So the science nerds will say, you know, we're only 10% human, but <laughs> you maybe have heard that before. Yeah, that's true. All those little microbiomes. Um, and then in addition to that, the NIH has a human microbiome project and they've found at least 9 million bacterial genes in our bodies, whereas our human genome only contains 20,000. Oh my gosh. So... You're making me think about it in a whole different way. Right. right. Yeah. It makes you think. So just based on the numbers, this thing must be important. Um, 
But what they know is, you know, the microbiome does a lot of things for our gut. So it helps us um, digest food we can't so and extract energy from our food that we can't. Um, the microbiome can produce certain vitamins. They can produce certain hormones. Um, they can help protect us from potentially harmful bacteria. Um, and they even can regulate our immune system and our brain health. So you just answered my question why that is important. And so, um, wow, so it really has many functions. Yes, yes, many, many functions. Um, and especially with the immune system, that's something that most people don't think about, but actually our the bugs in our gut can turn on and off immune cells when necessary. So they can, you know, sometimes people have immune reactions that are over-exaggerated and create inflammation. The microbes can help dampen that down if necessary, if you have a healthy population and a diverse population of microbes. Hmm. What are the health consequences of imbalances in the micro microbiome? So, well, symptomatically, people might not have a lot of energy. They could have fatigue. They could have skin problems like eczema or psoriasis. Um, they could have arthritis. They could just not feel well, have food cravings, lack of energy. Um, so when, when the microbiome is imbalanced, those are some um, symptoms that people can experience. Um, when the microbiome is not balanced, um, it's called dysbiosis. Um, and basically what happens is people develop poor digestion. Um, they can be bloated, have constipation or diarrhea, abdominal pain, cramping, reflux, bad breath, all these things. But then they develop symptoms outside their gut. So, you know, like the joint pains, the brain fog, uh, muscle aches, heart palpitations, all those types of things can develop as well. And what triggers problems in the microbiome? So um, diet. So a plant-based diet is better for your microbiome because our, the bacteria in our gut digest our fiber. That's their fuel. And then from that fiber, they make fatty acids that help fuel our colon cells. So diet's really important. If you have a healthy diet, you'll have a diverse microbiome. And when I say healthy, I mean you eat a lot of plant-based foods. Um, Stress can also trigger problems with the microbiome because when you're stressed, your fight or flight is turned on and your rest or digest part of your nervous system is turned off and that can adversely affect your microbiome. Um, alcohol is toxic to the microbiome. So they now think that like even in moderate drinkers, alcohol can alter the microbiome um, and lead to things like leaky gut. Mm or intestinal permeability, and that's when cells that usually your body would try to keep out get absorbed through your intestinal lining. Um, so, so alcohol can decrease some of your healthy bacteria. Um, and then medications like steroids, antibiotics, and non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can also be harmful. Um, in terms of antibiotics, they have done studies, and for instance, they did this one study where a person was given one week of clindamycin, which is an antibiotic, and then they looked at the family of bacteria in our gut called Bacteroides. And what they found was after seven days of clindamycin, she only had one strain of clindamycin-resistant Bacteroides left in her gut. And then they followed her over time, and even nine months later, she only had one strain of clindamycin resistant bacteroides. And then even when they looked at her two years later, the original diversity of her bacteroides, which are healthy bacteria, was not the same as it had been before. Really? 
Yes. So, you know, taking antibiotics unnecessarily for a viral infection can really be detrimental. Sometimes people need them. You know, if they really need them, it's good to take prebiotics, which are, you know, fiber and um, like inulin and things like that, and probiotics, which can help replenish, you know, some strains of their, their good bacteria. Um, the other issue is that 70% of the antibiotics used in the United States are given to animals that are raised for food. So if we eat those animal products that have been treated with the antibiotics, they can kill some of our microbes as well. So that's why it's important to make sure that when you do buy animal products, you know, it says, like, not treat it with antibiotics because that will adversely affect you. I didn't even think about that, though. That's true that yeah, yeah. we're eating those products there. Um, so can you tell, talk about the studies that are showing about the diet and the gut microbiomes too? Is this? Oh, sure. Sure. So in terms of diet, like I mentioned, more plant-based, um, foods are better. So think of a Mediterranean diet where you're eating a wide variety of vegetables. So you want to eat a rainbow of vegetables, fruits, nuts, olives, fish, you know, that'll help your microbiome thrive. Um, too much meat saturated fat or processed foods can kill off some of our good bugs. Um, but the interesting thing is it's not as though you can change your diet and two months later your microbiome is better. The microbiome that you have really reflects your long-term dietary practices. So, you know, if you're traditionally somebody who had a really poor diet, it's going to take years for it to really get better. To clean that out and to, yeah. Make yeah. It. Um, are there... Um are there, I don't know, I guess diseases or something that, that kind of go along with uh, the microbiomes that, that are in our bodies? I don't know if that's a fair question. Um, are there diseases associated with? Yes, yeah. yes. So um, let's see. It could, um, imbalances in your microbiome can be associated with obesity. Mm. So when uh, people are overweight, um, they sometimes have overgrowth of a certain type of bacteria. So there was this one study at the Mayo Clinic where they did stool samples on these people. They put them on a diet and an exercise routine. And then they did stool samples at the end. And they found that women that, I think it was women, could have been men too, but the people in the study that lost less weight had more of certain types of bacteria. In those microbiomes. Those, yes. Okay. Yes. So it, it definitely is associated with obesity. I mean, they actually um, believe that imbalances in the microbiome are associated with 90% of diseases. Oh, So wow. it could be arthritis, heart disease, depression, you know, immune disorders. But now they're just trying to find diseases that aren't associated with the microbiome because there are so many. Because, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's true, I guess, yeah, too much of a, yeah, good or bad, like you're saying, but, um, but yeah, I didn't even think about obesity. Um, yeah, this is interesting. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but there's going to be more with uh, Dr. Wittenberg when we were talking about GI health or gut health with the microbiomes uh, when we come right back. Stay with us. Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. 
Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. Okay, and now back to our interview with Dr. Wittenberg, and we're talking about GI health and uh, the microbiome of the gut, and it's really interesting information. Uh, we want. I wanted to ask you about uh, the gut-brain connection. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the gut-brain connection just speaks to the interaction between the microbes in the gut and the brain. Um, they typically communicate through the vagus nerve, um, but the gut-brain connection has been shown um, to have things to do with depression or neurodegenerative diseases. So um, if somebody has like low microbial diversity, perhaps they don't make as much tryptophan and that's used for serotonin that helps with mood, sleep, and appetite. Um, or if somebody has intestinal permeability and pathogens and inflammatory cells are getting into their body, then they can also be getting into their brain. And um, that has been associated with problems with dementia also. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so again, it all goes back to those, those microbiomes. Right. Too. So when they talk about the gut-brain connection, they talk about treating it from the bottom up. So, you know, maybe giving somebody probiotics or eating more probiotic-containing foods and a better diet to help stimulate growth of those micro, um, microbes and the microbial diversity. And then from the top down, which means doing things that help with like relaxation, mm. um, you know, help with um, stress management, because um, the signals that the gut receives from the brain can affect the function of the gut as well. So, you know, when you're nervous and you have butterflies in your stomach, you know, that's, those are signals from your brain uh, talking to your Telling gut. You. Okay, uh, yeah, that makes sense. What is the best diet for gastrointestinal health? So um, the best diet for gastrointestinal health is a heavy plant-based diet. So um, something pretty anti-inflammatory, like a Mediterranean diet that features, you know, a wide array of veggies, fruits, nuts, olives, uh, fish, limited meat. You know, you want to be careful with too much animal protein and definitely be careful with processed foods. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the best way to change your microbiome over time is to stick to a diet like that. Although some people who have a lot of gut issues have a hard time digesting a lot of fiber up, you know, right off the bat. So they have to be introduced gradually. Um, so first, you know, maybe they can eat some stews so that the veggies are cooked or pureed. Right. Um, there are certain digestive enzymes like cellulase that help your body break down some of that plant 
uh, products and plant fiber um, if you don't have the healthy microbes to do it in your gut. Um, and then, you know, they can go to steamed veggies, and then if they can tolerate it, increase the amount that they're eating, and hopefully eventually one day they'll be okay with raw veggies too. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, if someone is having GI issues, what should they do besides change their diet? So other lifestyle factors help. So exercise is great because it's good for um, gut motility. Um, when somebody's constipated, you know, undigested food can be um, kind of festering and fermented by potentially harmful bacteria. So it can create more inflammation if somebody has constipation. So exercise is important. You know, drinking lots of water is also important for preventing constipation. Um, stress management, you know, which speaks to the gut-brain connection. And then um, adequate sleep is really important, too. Um, our microbes actually also have a circadian rhythm, so they want their sleep as well. It's funny because you mentioned that, you know, exercise and, you know, getting things moving, basically. Mm -hmm. I, it works in animals, too. I always notice that with my dog if he's constipated. And that's just a silly Right, example. it's like, let's go for a run. No, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, you've been waiting. But anyway, it gets them moving and grooving. Uh, so are there specific tests to look at at the gut microbiome? Yes, there are. There are definitely um, tests that we order in the office that can give you a microbial analysis of a patient's healthy bacteria. So one of the kits that we use look at not every single um, you know, microbe in your gut, but 24 of the most studied ones. Hmm. So you can look at the balance, and sometimes you'll see certain ones that are really important are undetectable, or other ones are too high, so they're just not balanced, and people can develop symptoms from that. And then in addition to the microbial analysis, it can tell you if there's overgrowth of potentially um, harmful bacteria, overgrowth of yeast, or overgrowth of parasites. So they also do a culture on the stool as well. And then it looks at markers of pancreatic function. So you need good pancreatic function to digest and absorb your nutrients as well. And then it looks at markers for inflammation and um, level, levels of short-chain fatty acids. So these are the fatty acids that bacteria make when they digest your fiber. And so if you have low short-chain fatty acids, either you're not getting enough fiber or you don't have enough healthy bacteria. Mm. And what about a, in addition to diet? Are there certain supplements that we can also take to help? Yeah, so um, my first two that I would recommend would be prebiotics. So prebiotics are, you know, um, plant-based. So, for instance, inulin is a type of fiber found in onions, leeks, garlic, um, artichokes, but it, it can also be taken as a supplement. So if they need it, they could take a prebiotic supplement. Um, and then probiotics are really important. So again, people can get probiotics in food. So probiotics are live organisms. You can get those in fermented foods like um, yogurt, kombucha, kimchi, sauerkraut, um, and eating a variety of those are good. If you don't like those or you are doing that and you're still having an issue, then you know you can add in a probiotic. And um, when you're looking at a probiotic, you don't want to just look at the one that has you know the highest number of bacterial colonies. You also want to look at what type of bacteria is in that probiotic. And if you look at the fine print on the label, you want to make sure that it says the potency is guaranteed through the expiration date because sometimes there'll be a hashtag that says guaranteed at the uh, time of manufacturing. 
So you don't really know if the organisms will still be alive by the time you take them. Oh, that's a, also a really good point. That's yeah. true. So, so those are the top two that I recommend. And then based on what we find on the stool study, like if they have a lot of inflammation, I may recommend berberine or glutamine, which help decrease inflammation in the gut lining and, and glutamine as a source of fuel for your colon cells. Um, if they are low in pancreatic elastase, I may ask them to take extra digestive enzymes, um, things like that. So there's a variety of different supplements that you can recommend based on what you find. If they have overgrowth of potentially pathogenic bacteria, you can sometimes do natural antimicrobials. Berberine is actually one of those, um, but there are other ones that um, can be used as well. And the nice thing about the testing is they'll do sensitivity on medications you could take or natural uh, supplements you could take to try to kill the overgrowth of these organisms. And I think we may have talked about this a little bit, but how long should someone follow that gut protocol before he or she notices that change in their health? So um, after they do a stool test, whatever issues we find, we'll, we'll usually put them on um, a protocol, which you've probably heard of, like the 5R protocol for gut health. So it's a framework that functional medicine uses. So for the five R's, you know, the first one is remove. So if you do have some overgrowth of harmful bacteria or parasites or yeast, um, you remove it. Uh, two would be replaced. So that would talk to taking digestive enzymes if those are low. Three is re-inoculate for improving um, prebiotics and probiotics. Four is repair, which speaks to inflammation. And then five is rebalance, which talks about the lifestyle with the stress reduction and the exercise and the sleep. So I'll typically tell people, you know, at least with the supplements, do this for three months. People start to feel better within a month, but I'll say do this for at least three months. Um, however, the diet is, you know, dietary changes should be something long lasting if they're going to have real benefit from it. Okay, that's great. Um yeah, the, if, interesting information. Is there anything else you need you want, like to discuss? Add about? to that? Yeah. I just think it's a fascinating field. You know, I used to think the gut was important and that, you know, I incorporated that into my practice. But now that I've learned more about the microbiome and how it really controls so much of our health and our well-being, mm -hmm. I'm focusing on it even more. Which is so smart. And I think especially that connection with the gut brain as mm -hmm. well and how it, it is connected, um, I think... Uh, does the, does the gut health change over time with our bodies or with the information? Oh, it definitely can. So, so basically, like when you're born, your gut is sterile. And so the first introduction uh, you get to microbes is, you know, if you're born vaginally through your mother's vaginal canal. Um, that's what starts your gut microbiome. So actually, kids that are born via C-section... Um, are at a little bit of a disadvantage and they see there's more allergies, there's more asthma, hmm. there's more eczema in, in babies that were born via C-section and that could be why. Um, now some places are even um, doing vaginal swabs in C-section born babies. So taking vaginal swabs from the mom, putting it around the mouth and the face of the baby to see if that can help stimulate wow. the beginning of their microbiome. Hmm. Um, and then and then the, the microbiome be, continues to develop, you know, if you're, if you're breastfed. 
So a baby that's C-section born and bottle fed, again, is at like a serious disadvantage because you get a lot of those healthy bacteria through your mother's breast milk. Yeah. Um, so then it basically develops throughout your childhood. But, you know, if kids are on antibiotics really early in their childhood, mm -hmm. it's going to cause problems um, or you know, otitis media, a lot of kids, that's a middle ear infection. A lot of kids will get antibiotics, but a lot of times it's viral. Um, so, so different stages of life, it's supposed to grow and diversify, you know, when you're younger, but if you have any medical issues or you have to be on any medication that could affect it, that could change. Wow. Well, that's interesting, though, about the C-section and then mm -hmm. kids that are born naturally. Then. And then I think more than, you know, age, it has to do with what your exposures are over time. So if you are, you know, you have a lot of exposures that adversely affect your microbiome, yes, it will change over time. Uh, but if you're doing, you know, all the right things, mm -hmm. it can stay consistent. Hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, thank you very much for your time. This has been a great topic, Dr. Wittenberg, and we look forward to having you on again. But in the meantime, you can also catch more of Dr. Wittenberg on her website, iprogressivemed.com, and learn more about her passion for alternative medicine and the other great things she's involved with. We look forward to your next visit. Thank you, Kim. Thanks. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.